Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the J.A. Stevens Podcast. This is episode 54, dedicated to a man that had more hair during his Hall of Fame speech than he did while he played in the NFL, Mr. Brian Erlacher. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about semifinal Saturday in college football. I have hope for all of you Cleveland Browns fans out there. Of course, we have some more picks to get off for the weekend, more bowl games, and NFL playoff start this weekend. But first, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating. Thank you for reviewing. And most of all, thank you for getting the word out about the podcast. Tuesday morning, I woke up to a pleasant surprise. A surprise that made me go get my glasses and make sure my spec my spectacles are put on properly so I can make sure that what I was reading on my computer screen was correct. Every morning for about the past two months, I wake up, see what the downloads are up to for the podcast, and then put that down on my calendar. Well, if it's 1,582, I put that down on the calendar. If we have 950, I put that down on my calendar. If I have 2,156 downloads to that point, I put that down on my calendar. Well, between Monday and Tuesday, we had an accomplishment that was a surprise, a major surprise, and it's all because of you, and I want to say thank you once again. Between Monday and Tuesday, within a 24-hour span, we had almost 100 downloads of the podcast. I appreciate all support. I appreciate everyone for listening. Whenever I tweet out the link, at Dr. Underscore J25 on Twitter. Go ahead and like that and retweet that. If you follow me, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if you don't follow me, find me on Twitter and go ahead and retweet that thing as well. I would greatly appreciate it. You can reach people I can't reach and I can reach people you can't reach. Together, we can get this word out and continue to have the podcast grow. If you follow us on Instagram at J Stevens Podcast on Instagram, whenever I tweet out the post or share the post on Instagram about what's going to be going on, what's going to be talked about on this particular episode of the podcast, share that. Go right ahead. I don't care. Continue to get the word out. On on my Instagram story on the podcast, I share the link to Spotify so to have other people go directly to the episode to listen to it. Go ahead and share that as well. It doesn't matter. Continue to get the word out. I thank you for support. I thank you for listening, and I thank you for helping the podcast grow. I greatly appreciate it. To go from a high note to a low note is not something I like to do, but it's needed right now. I have some sad, we heard some sad news out of the NBA, NBA family, NBA community. We were saddened that David Stern, former NBA commissioner, has passed away. The news broke about when, around Wednesday afternoon, around the time, that maybe shortly before, the Rose Bowl started. David Stern, he is responsible for the way the NBA is today. Yes, Adam Silver has been in, has been in office, has been the commissioner since about 2014. Yes, yeah, since 2014 when David Stern stepped down. But Adam Silver, as much as he has done has, and the changes he has made will make with the NBA, if it wasn't for David Stern, Adam Silver would not be would not be taking over the NBA with this current state. If you think back to 1984, the NBA was not in a good place at all. Yes, it was it, it was not, and it helped. Michael Jordan gave, came into the NBA that same time in '84. Patrick Ewing ended up getting drafted to the Knicks at that time. So the Knicks, being a major brand in the NBA, they had a star, and there were so many more things that Davis Stern did. Oh, the Dream Team. Before 1992, if you go back to the 88 Dream Team, NBA players did not play in the Olympics. Well, David Stern said, hey, man, we got to make some changes. Now, I know he doesn't run USA Basketball, but he is a big influencer. 
those NBA players played, and we now see, we now expect Team USA to win in the Olympics every single year. And if they don't, we are upset. That goes all the way back to David Stern and how he was able to help NBA players be a focal point and to represent our country. He also, he launched groundbreaking media and marketing partnerships. He helped the NBA be a global brand. He helped bring seven teams to the NBA. He helped six teams relocate. He helped in the creation of the WNBA. His list of accolades, his list of accomplishments goes on and on and on and on. And might I add, he is is a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. David Stern no longer with us. It's sad to see this happen. We all know it's going to happen eventually. We all heard he was sick about a week, week and a half ago, but we never want to see a legend go. David Stern, I, I never got to meet the man. I never got to talk to, him, talk to him, but I really appreciate what he did with the NBA, where he brought it from, where he, where he took it to, and how Adam Silver is doing a great job, but Adam Silver wouldn't be able to do what he is doing. The NBA would not be where it is today if it was not for David Stern. Let's go ahead and take a trip to New Orleans, Louisiana, because a college football playoff national championship matchup has been set. All season long, we've been waiting for this moment. The moment where we're about to crown a national champion in college football. LSU and Clemson have definitely earned the right to play in New Orleans to battle to see who is going to be crowned 2019 college football playoff national champion. The roads to get here were definitely different. LSU's road was way tougher than Clemson's. Clemson's road, well, really didn't have much resistance. Clemson, you can say Clemson had resistance going way back to, I think it was a week four, week five matchup against North Carolina, where Clemson only won by one point. Ooh, yes, they won. It was tough. Mac Brown thought he had won, beat, beat Dabble Sweeney and actually had put a loss and a ding on Clemson's record. Clemson had other plans. Clemson somehow came out of that game victorious. The rest of the season, really not much of a contest, even in the ACC championship. Not much of a contest. Yeah, Bryce Perkins, Virginia, they're cool. But they, there are, they are no match for Clemson and the players that they have and the coaches that they have on that team. But however, that Fiesta Bowl that we just watched, that was an instant classic. And like I said prior, that game had all the makings of being an all-timer. And I definitely believe it lived up to that. Ohio State comes out hot. A team that's looking to get revenge on the last time they played Clemson in the 2016 Fiesta Bowl in this same stadium. Ohio State comes out, 16-0 lead. J.K. Dobbins has a long 64-yard touchdown run, and everything looks like Ohio State is going to be victorious in this game. There is a pivotal, there are two pivotal things that happen. One pivotal thing that happens before the targeting. Ohio State, three red zone trips. Three field goals. And Urban Meyer would take a page from Urban Meyer's philosophy coaching book. Urban Meyer said after the game, when he was working for the Big Ten Network, if we get down to the red zone and only get three points, don't get a touchdown, it's a failure. And I think that I think that's something more coaches need to adopt to put more pressure on their teams to score touchdowns in the red zone. Four-yard line, six-yard line. 16-yard line, Ohio State got down that far and only came away with field goals on all three red zone trips. 16-0 is great. It's great being the shutout, great start to the game. But when playing against Clemson, 
It's not enough. Now imagine second quarter, Ohio State 16-0 could very easily be 28-0. Four touchdowns, the long touchdown run, and three red zone drips coming that, that result in three touchdowns. We'd be talking about and viewing that game completely different than the way that we do. All of a sudden, second quarter, after those three red zone trips, there's a targeting call on Sean Wade, which is a game-altering uh, play. Yes, Ohio State fans still to, at this moment, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, they definitely are still complaining about the officiating, and the game happened on Wednesday, on Saturday, December 28th. Right now, this is New Year's Day, January 1st of 2020. At some point, you got to acknowledge, Ohio State had every right and every chance to win that game, even going to their last possession, and they didn't do it. Despite all the, all the mishaps, all the mistakes that Ohio State had made during that game, they still had a chance to win the game at the end, and they didn't do it. But Ohio State fans are holding grudges. The officiating, the SEC officials, they never want to be on our side. Hey, look, man, give it up. Give it up. Let's be realistic. Ohio State had the right, and they, and they, they, earned, they earned every chance they had to have a chance to win the game. They had the chance. They didn't do it. When the game mattered most, they made, a, they made an error that cost them the game. But Sean Wade, his, his uh, targeting call was called correctly. He was ejected from the game. I don't like the rule. I hope they change the rule. I don't think they will, but I sure hope they change it. They, they alter that slightly very, very soon. Shortly after Sean Wade got taken out, Amir Reap, his backup, his replacement, um, was targeted by Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence said, hey, this is my chance to get some points on the board. This is my chance to start to capitalize on this Ohio State defense that is missing one of their best players. And he did. Two plays later, attack Amir Reap, pass interference call, Clemson scores. Clemson goes into, into halftime, 16-14 with Trevor Lawrence, I'll call that boy Sunshine, goes off for a 67-yard touchdown run. And while he was running, I believe he was saying in his head, feet don't fail me now. And they definitely did not fail him. 67 yards, outrunning all the, the Ohio State defense. Uh, I think it was safety. I forget, I forget his name. Took a horrible, horrible trash angle. And Trevor Lawrence just kept on scoot, scoot, scooting all the way to pay dirt. Second half. Uh, Ohio State goes in for a pump block, roughing the passer. Second half, Ohio State thinks they have a fumble, scoop and score, touchdown, calls back, called ruled incomplete. That, I believe, was a bad call. But even despite that, Ohio State still had a chance to win. You know what they had to do? Trevor Lawrence, about four minutes to go in the game. Trevor Lawrence has the ball, has to go 95 yards to score to, to, score to get the lead. What does he do? He goes four plays. He take you know no, excuse me he goes 95 yards in four plays to take the lead and he takes a page from uh, takes a page a play from Urban Meyer's playbook where what does he do a little pop pass at the 50 yard line 52 48 yard line I believe to Tra to Travis Etienne over the middle Travis Etienne breaks some breaks uh, some tackles and then uses his speed once that boy's in space he is hard to stop. Urban Meyer, I remember Tim Tebow doing that same play, the little pop pass at the goal line. Tra Trevor Lawrence, I'm supposed to say Tra Travis. Sunshine, let me call the boy Sunshine, Sunshine so I can say his name correctly. Sunshine said, hey, you do it at the goal line, Urban. I'm doing a thing in the middle of the field so we can move the ball quickly for 95 yards, four plays. Boom, 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 right down the field, touchdown. Ohio State. Has a chance to win the game. Uh, last drive of the game, a couple dinks down the J.K. Dobbins uh, check downs just just to make that uh, make a safe play. 
Boom, 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 moving, running, moving the ball. What else happens? Last play, Chris Olave, the Ohio State's best receiver. Him and Justin Fields have been on the same page all season long. Chris Olave thought that Justin Fields was starting a scramble drill, so he broke off of his route, which he was not. He's moving up in the pocket, throws the ball. It was the same route, same play that they had beaten Turner on, Clemson's safety on prior, and, and they had scored on. So they thought, oh, man, this is our time to score. Didn't happen. Miscommunication, Ohio State loses. Clemson finds his way in the national championship. LSU, different road. LSU tested during the regular season and, and won and beat every single test. In the Peach Bowl, when you think, oh, this is going to be a good game, a competitive game. Well, it was a little bit different. Oklahoma was no match to LSU. There's no reason to go about things that happen in the second, third, or fourth quarter during this game. Nope, no reason to. It was a blowout. LSU, LSU scored 63 points, a college football playoff record that they set on that day. Oh, there are more records ever that were set on that day as well. Joe Burrow, touchdowns responsible for eight. Joe Burrow, passing touchdowns, seven. Joe Burrow, passing yards and a half, 403. These are all records that were set during the Peach Bowl. When Oklahoma, being the number four seed, is supposed to be the most deserving team or the best, the fourth best team in the country, and you're supposed to put up some sort of fight against LSU, didn't happen. Joe Burrow, more records that he set. Joe Burrow, passing yards in a game, 493. Joe Burrow, total yards, 515. Justin Jefferson, receiving touchdowns, four. Justin Jefferson, receiving yards, 227. Points and a half, another record that was set, 49. Team total yards, 692. Need I say more? I didn't think so. That game was embarrassing, and if you don't like if you don't like watching blowouts like me, I venture to say watching that game was definitely very very hard for you, like it was for me because blowouts to me I turn them off. I listen to commentators; they start talking about wild stuff, crazy stuff because it's very boring for them to watch a, a blowout. As a commentator, as a fan, you want to watch a compelling game, a close game, a game that has some uh, some some spunk to it, uh, some tough plays, uh, some adversity. Nobody likes watching a blowout. But I think what LSU did, Joe Burrow did, that offense did, even with Clyde Edwards' layer out or hurt, he played a little bit, even though he was hurt, their offense, when you give plenty of time to plan, to prepare for anybody, they can just torch any defense that they see. Hey, Joe Brady, Brett Venables, if you're if you're not prepared to hear those names, be you better get ready. Because I venture to say, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, they're going to be calling those names over and over and over again throughout the entire broadcast. They are known if they love a coach and they love something that he does, they're going to say his name numerous times throughout the entire broadcast. LSU, Clemson, Tigers, Death Valley. Uh, we got to find some other ways to tie these two schools together. I'm sure there are more. Sunshine and Joe Brady, those are two separate different quarterbacks. Uh, many people after last season last season were saying Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback, pro, best quarterback currently in college football. I, I don't see them saying that anymore. But what I think people are forgetting that Trevor Lawrence reminded them of on Saturday, he will make the right play at the right time to win the game. But it's not all about him doing it, but just making sure it's a team effort. 
so he can lead his team to the promised land. I can't wait for January 13th. I can't wait for this matchup between LSU and Clemson. I know I went longer on Ohio State and the Clemson game, but that's where all the pizzazz was. That's where all the adversity was. The LSU game, the LSU-Oklahoma game, Oklahoma had no adversity. LSU did whatever they wanted to. It's quite embarrassing that we had to watch and we had to sit through that boring, that blowout of a game. But I sure hope we don't have that coming January 13th. I don't think we'll have that. I don't think so at all. I think Brett Venables has some things dialed up that's going to be uh, key, that's going to be throwing off Joe Burrow. But one thing he can't do, you can't leave the LSU receivers one-on-one on the outside. You cannot do that. You could dial up whatever blitz you want to. Believing those guys on the outside one-on-one, man, oh, man, it could be another repeat of what we saw in the Peach Bowl with Joe Burrow and the boys do whatever they want to. Well, 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 the Browns fire another coach. Ooh-hoo-wee, imagine that. The Cleveland Browns fired Freddie Kitchens. I guarantee, Browns fans, you're happy. I I guarantee outside observers, you probably saw this coming. Why? Because the Browns are the Browns. The Browns are an embarrassment. Why would you hire a first-year coach on any level with this team, with that quarterback, with those wide receivers, with a team that has no structure, no organization, no culture? Why would you hire Freddie Kitchens, a guy that's not proven, a guy that doesn't know what he's doing? Why would you do that? Well, uh, he was the guy. He was in the organization already. He seemed like the right kind of hire. Wrong. Wrong. Not the right kind of hire. When you hired him, there were people that were wondering why you did it. And there are still people wondering why you did it. Because it wasn't that good. Now, granted, Freddie Kitchens didn't go 0-16. So there are some positives to this hire. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest now. 0-16 with Baker Mayfield. Is that, is that likely? No. But, hey, is it 0-16 in the NFL? Is it hard? Yes. It's very, very hard. You know what, wonder how hard it is? The Bengals won games this year. One of their games happened to be up against the Browns. Week 17. And after week 17, after that last game of the regular season, Freddie Kitchens was still believing he was going to have his job. Of course, you got to talk to talk. But if you talk to talk, you got to hit, baby, you got to walk to walk. You was talking it, but you wasn't walking it. And now you walking yourself out of the organization to your home. Now, granted, I never want to see anybody get fired, ever. We could joke about him, joke about his time, his tenure in in Cleveland, but I never want to see a man lose his job. Now, I never, now granted, yes, he does get paid a lot of money. I get it. Will he get another job? Probably. As a head coach, probably not. Probably a coordinator. But I never want to see a man lose his job. You want to know another man that lost his job in Cleveland? John Dorsey. Now, this one's very, very interesting. This is where the hope starts to come in with the Cleveland Browns fans. So bear with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. The Browns fired John Dorsey. John Dorsey came to Cleveland from Kansas City, reunited with Andy Reid. Every year he was in Kansas City, the Chiefs went to the playoffs. So we already had a track record of being able to bring good players into a team, being able to build a team a good way, being able to draft right, get good players, acquire players properly, free agency, trades, acquisitions, whatever it is, however you got players, he was doing something right in Kansas City, and he was trying to duplicate that success in Cleveland. The Cleveland fans, Kansas City fans, there's a different type of fan. 
Cleveland fans, Northeast Ohio, they take football very, very serious. They want the Cleveland Browns to be as successful as the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know what hasn't happened in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns organization? They have never been successful as successful as the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's not happening. So you know what? So you know what? When they when they drafted John Dorsey being the one, drafted Baker Mayfield, drafted Nick Chubb, drafted uh, Northeast Ohio's own Denzel Ward, when he brought in Kareem Hunt, when he uh, traded for Jarvis Landry, traded for Odell Beckham Jr., that desire to be as successful as the Buckeyes got stronger and stronger and stronger from that fan base. So you know what happened? The Browns last year went 7-8-1 in John Dorsey's first year. At, after uh, In the previous year, they went 0-16. So John Dorsey's doing something very well. It's a slow process. It's a process that needs some time to be worked out to work out the kinks. This year, they went 6-10. Kareem Hunt comes in this year. Now, granted, he is suspended, missed about half the season, came back in the second half of the season, did okay. I mean, it wasn't a world beater, but did okay. The Browns weren't really, uh, didn't really improve the Browns very much. So they did okay. But I think John Dorsey, Freddie Kitchens as well, you don't want to fire somebody without have, giving them three years to prove themselves. Freddie Kitchens. I don't think that was a good hire. But I still think when you hire the man, you owe him three years. Every coach, every GM should get three years to prove themselves. Now, if you get three years and you do good through the first three, I'll give you an attention to four, maybe five years on the job. I probably will. But I think they both deserve three years to prove themselves. Same with a player. A player, when he, come, when he gets drafted, the first three to five years, you'll figure out what kind of player that person is going to be while he is in the NFL, NBA, or whatever sport they play. Three to five years, first three to five years, nine times out of ten, a player does not change or get better or change their game drastically from what he from what he is within his first three to five years playing that particular sport at a professional level. Generally, that's what it is. It's a track record. It's proven. Nine times, and I'm saying it's not it's not it's not bulletproof. But most of the time, that's the way it is. And John Dorsey, I think he needed another year with the team. I think Freddie Kitchens. From my understanding, from the way I view things, he needed more time, but he was not given a good hand. He wasn't dealt a good deck of cards. What was in front of him, he ain't gonna he ain't gonna win with that. No, if you playing Euchre, you might as well just you might as well just hand turn your hand over because you ain't about to win. You ain't about to play nothing. Spades, bye, bye. We don't need you. We don't need you at all. Why? Because you ain't gonna win. Just just giving a dealt a bad hand at that particular time. But what the Browns are planning on doing, hiring an next head coach. Before the hiring of the GM. Interesting. I was thinking it was going to be the opposite way. But Jimmy Haslam, owner of the Browns, says, hey, I'm going to do something different than I did with Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. John Dorsey, it was a mutual mutual agreement to part ways at that time. John Dorsey and, your, and Haslam didn't see eye to eye with Dorsey's uh, plan for the organization about where his role was going to be. So, so Dorsey said, bye. We're good. We're good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gone. But with the next head coach, a lot of people think it may be Mike McCarthy. Some people think it might be uh, the, the front runner, maybe um, Josh McDaniels. The name flipped my mind. Maybe Josh McDaniels. They're going to hire a coach first. They say, hey, head coach, we want you to be a vital part in hiring the GM. We want to make sure that the GM and head coach ha are have a great understanding about their roles and have a great connection with each other. 
Because without the head coach and the GM being on the same page, you're going to have what the Browns have been for so many years. A hot mess. Now, do I think Mike McCarthy is the answer? I don't know. Do I think Josh McDaniels is the answer? I don't know. I've heard rumblings that Urban Meyer, people want Urban Meyer to be the coach in Cleveland. It makes sense. He's, the, he's an Ohio kid. He won, the, he won the natty at Ohio State. I mean, it makes sense that people in North, Northeast Ohio want one of their own to come in and be the head coach of the team. I don't know if, Ur, if Urban Meyer is going to do it. But I do think there is hope for the team. And if Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, is correct in with him saying that he is going to be the one, that the next head coach is going to be used vitally, be a big part of who the GM is going to be, and have them on the same page, Browns, this may be the move you guys need to make. This may be the exact thing to help you guys win the division. No, I'm not saying it's going to happen next year. Lamar Jackson is on a crazy run right now. Very well could find himself in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to say he's not Super Bowl pick, but if he is, I'm sure you would understand. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But what I am saying is going to happen when you get things together up top in the organization. When you get two pieces together, two pieces of the pie together to fit, two pieces of the puzzle to fit perfectly from the jump, you'll be amazed at what could happen. You you'll be amazed at how things are going to be turned around in Cleveland. Oh, you know what else is going to happen? What I suggest. What I suggest the next GM does when he puts the, puts the piece of the puzzle together to build a team properly, start from the inside out, not outside in. Odell, Jarvis, Baker, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're all great players. They're all really good at their craft. But without a solid, solid O-line, without a solid D-line, those other guys, the guys on the outside of school positions and secondary, they can't do their job properly. Also, you can't win. Winning teams win the battle in the trenches. What do the Browns not do this year? Win the battle in the trenches. With this new coaching hire, this new coaching search going on, I sure hope Jimmy Haslam doesn't change his mind and say, hey, I know what I said about the head coach and how I'm going to use him to hire the GM so they're on the same page, but I have a better plan in mind. And he changes everything that was going to be a great plan to get the Browns to actually win consistently and also possibly win the division. Browns fans, there is hope. There is hope for you. It may not look good right now, but there is a there is a plan in place that hopefully, if worked out properly, can lead you to be a successful team and eventually win the division. I'm not going to jump to the Super Bowl because you have to take baby steps to get to the promised land. Before we get out of here, we have some picks to get off for the week. Football, NFL football this weekend, wild card weekend. You have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. It seems like every year we have wild card Saturday. The first game is a Texans where they lose. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going to happen this week. This weekend, I have the Buffalo Bills over the Texans on the in the NFL wild card. I also have the Patriots over the Titans. On Sunday, I have the Saints over the Vikings. Then I also have the Seahawks going on the road across the country to Philadelphia and beating the Eagles. Some college football bowl picks Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. On Thursday, I have the Indiana Hoosiers beating the Tennessee Volunteers in the Gator Bowl. I have Cincinnati beating Boston College in the Birmingham Bowl. I have Ohio beating Nevada in the Potato Bowl. On Saturday, I, in the Armed Forces Bowl, I have Tulane beating Southern Miss. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J25. Once again, that is at Dr. Underscore J-A-Y, the number two and the number five. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are, search- that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. This has been episode 54 of the JT Woods Podcast. I'll see you next time. Peace.